Welcome to the Feathered Desert, a podcast all about desert bird feeding in the southwestern region of the United States. Welcome to the Feathered Desert, everyone. Today, we're going to be talking about waterfowl of the Phoenix Valley. Since we live in a desert, water birds are not really the first birds you think of when you think of common birds in our area. But since we do have lakes and water preserves, we do have some of these kinds of birds here. So today we're going to talk about some of the waterfowl that live with us year-round, some that overwinter with us, and some that oversummer with us. And Cheryl's going to kind of start us off first and tell us what exactly is a waterfowl. Yes. What exactly is a waterfowl is what I'm going to cover without any scientific words in it. Yes. <laughs> it's going to be really much a lot of fun. When we say waterfowl, you probably think of ducks, and that is correct. This family also includes geese, swans, and screamers. Ooh, I know, screamers from the Phoenix Zoo. Yes. For the most part, these are birds that spend the majority of their lives in or near water. Their feet are often webbed to help with swimming, and their beaks are flat and rubbery to help catch insects and pull up aquatic vegetation to eat. Their beaks are very sensitive and many nerve end. Oh, I didn't know this. With many nerve endings to help them feel, well, that makes sense then, for food when they are grazing underwater. Screamers are the exception. They scream, that's why they have that name. Yes. They are classified as waterfowl based on genetics and that they live near the water for most of their lives. I've never seen them in the water. Yeah. But they look more like turkeys. Yes, they do. And they are South American birds that have a large, heavy body, long, um, thick legs with no webbing on their feet. But they have these, they look kind of unkind feet. <laughs> Small turkey-like beaks. And there are three species of screamers found in, this, in South America. And scientists have determined that the waterfowl family is one of two of the oldest families of modern birds, speaking in evolutionary terms. The oldest family is the family that includes the wild turkey. Wow. Yeah. So that puts the screamer right in there. Yep, it does. Um, back in, in the fossil records and whatnot, it turns out that waterfowl and turkey family kind of both came into being at the same time. So, yeah, they're very, very old um, family of birds. Yeah, well, they look old. They do. <laughs> Sometimes. I mean, the screamers especially, they kind of look old and cranky. Yeah, they look like, <laughs> okay, you know, Jurassic Park and Velociraptors. They kind of do, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> like, okay, I don't want to run into you. No. All right, we're going to talk about, first, our year-round residents. Because of some of the efforts of humans to bring bodies of water into the Arizona desert, waterfowl are now able to live here year-round. So we're going to talk about three common year-round residents that you will see at almost any body of water in the valley. The first one is the mallard. This is probably one of the most common waterfowl. They're found all over North America as well as Mexico. I wanted to talk about this bird because there's often some confusion about the name mallard. Mallard is a specific species of duck, not the name of a male duck. A male duck is called a drake, regardless of what species of duck it is, while the female is called a hen. So there are male and female mallards because they are a specific type of bird. Mallard males, when in breeding color, are quite lovely. Their bills are yellow. Their heads are a bright emerald green that travels down the neck and throat to a white ring. The breast, back, and majority of their wings is a medium brown. And their underparts are gray. 
Their tail feathers are white with curly black tail feathers on top, and they only have those little curly black tail feathers during breeding season. Brilliant sapphire blue secondary wing feathers. So if you're not sure what a secondary wing feather is, check out our feathers podcast. But it's going to be those feathers that are kind of in the middle portion of the wing. And those are a brilliant sapphire blue. Um, and you can really only see them when they're flying. In the winter, the males will look almost identical to females who are a mottled brown and white all year round. The females have an orange bill with some dark brown splotches. The females also have the sapphire secondary feather wing patch. Both males and females will have orange feet. And that's another way, it's a kind of a harder way to identify uh, waterfowl from each other, but the feet are often a giveaway. But you have to see them when they're on the land because you can't see their feet when they're in the water. I love to watch them walk. I do. Mallards are omnivores and are opportunistic feeders. So that means they eat insects, freshwater shrimp, snails, moist seed plants, earthworms, acorns. That one kind of threw me for a loop. Yeah, I didn't know they ate acorns. And uh, acorns. Yeah, corn, rice, barley, and aquatic vegetation. So they're omnivores. They eat a little meat. They eat a little vegetation. And a fun little fact about the mallard um, is that they are actually thought to be the ancestor of all domestic duck breeds. Hmm. Yeah. Very interesting. So number two is going to be the Canada goose. Now, before everybody's eyes are rolling, I can I like hear your them. eyes rolling right now. I know. I love Canada geese. Uh, these are an extremely recognizable bird. They're actually found all over North America from southern Texas to northern Alaska at some point in time or other during the year. The males and females both look the same. Long black necks with black bills and feet. A white chin strap that covers both cheeks and white chest feathers. And they have an ombre effect of brown on the wings that begins light at the uh, shoulder of the wing and then ends with dark, dark brown at the tip of the wings. The tail feathers have a white stripe at the base of the tail and black on the ends of the tail feathers. This used to be a much more migratory species, but has recently become more of a year-round resident throughout the middle of North America, which does include our warmer Arizona Valley. So these birds are vegetarians, eating grasses throughout the year and crops such as wheat, beans, rice, and corn, which is kind of why our uh, farmers don't particularly care for them. Yeah. Uh, during spring, they actually switch their diets to consist of a more green vegetation and a less high-energy grain. A fun fact, I really loved this one, of Canada geese is while the females are incubating their eggs, they molt their flight feathers. They will not be able to fly until they regrow them, but while they're incubating eggs, they're not flying anywhere anyways. Well, that's efficient. It is efficient. Why not do it all at one time? Do they use the feathers to line the nest? I don't think is so, because the flight feathers are not super squishy yes. and they're real hard. So my guess is they just, it's, um, it's just, just molt them out and they're around them. Multitasking again, yeah, we Exactly, are. yes. <laughs> Those ladies, we know what we're doing. All right, our third year-round resident is the ruddy duck. This one, I have to admit, is my favorite of all three. The ruddy duck is the smallest of the three year-round residents that we are going to talk about today. In the spring and summer, the male is very easy to identify because he has a bright blue bill. And I'm not talking about blue. I'm talking bright blue. It's, I love the color of their bill. The rest of his coloration, of course, is lovely also. His head and neck are black with white cheek patches and a white belly. The majority of his body and wings are a beautiful mahogany brown. This, his primary flight feathers and tail are a deep black. The females are much harder to distinguish from other female ducks because they're the typical mottled brown and white, but they're a smaller duck than most. And typically when we're seeing the bright blue bill, you're gonna 
she's going to be with him. So you're going to know that she's a ruddy duck as well. In the wintertime, males and females actually resemble each other as the male has lost his bright blue bill and his other lovely feather colors. So they kind of blend in with each other. These are omnivorous ducks that feed almost exclusively by diving. They eat pond weeds, wild celery, algae, seeds, aquatic insects, shellfish, and crustaceans. They can be seen skimming the water surface with their bills occasionally, and that is them straining food from the water. A fun fact about them is that the male ruddy duck has spiked feathers on his tail that they use in courtship displays. Hmm. Yeah. So I have a question. Yes. I know you're cringing. <laughs> no, no cringing. <laughs> okay. So with the, the blue bill, uh, actually this would apply to any bill, any bird that like changes colors. Does that have to do with his diet? And is it hormonal? Why it changes, gets blue and then doesn't change his color back in the winter? That is an excellent question. And I do not have an answer for that. I can answer for flamingos. That is all about <laughs> well, I their know diet, with, but I, know I don't with, know for sure with, with his bill, if it's his food or if it's a hormone. I don't know. That's a good question. We'll have to look it up and see if we can find the answer. Hmm. Stumped. I stumped Kirsten. Yes, that's good. It's always good to have questions that you don't know the answer to because then it makes you go look for them. I have, you're my go-to. Okay, so I have winter residents and I'm very excited because I have the American Widgeon and I just love to say that name. The American Widgeon is our first winter visitor we are going to discuss. They overwinter with us and the lower, they overwinter with us and the lower half of the U.S. from Virginia to California. Well, that's a lot. It is. It's quite spread out. And sp spend their spring and summer in the north from northern Midwest states through Canada to Alaska. This is a medium-sized duck. Breeding season, the male has a bright grass green band of feathers running from the eye to the nape of the neck with a white crown on top of the head and a blue gray bill with a black tip finishes off his head coloration he's a beautiful duck yeah the body including chest and back is a brown color as are his primary flight feathers his belly is white the secondary flight feathers and covert feathers covering the wings are more brightly colored and the coverts covering the top of the wings the wing are white with a thin stripe of green feathers underneath that and black secondary flight feathers below the green it's quite striking in flight the green on the head of the male will fade in winter and the female once again is duller is a duller color the female American widgeon is mottled brown and black on the head. She's pretty, though. She is very pretty. With a duller gray-blue bill. The rest of her body is more uniform uh, brown color, and both male and female feet are dark gray. Huh. I've never seen them out of the water, so I didn't know that. Yeah. These birds are dabbling ducks, which means they glean most of their food from the surface of the water as opposed to diving under the surface to find their food. They are mainly vegetarians, eating the leafy parts of aquatic vegetation, but are known to eat insects and aquatic invertebrates as well. They are aggressive feeders and will steal vegetation brought to the surface by diving ducks. Oh, those stinkers. Yeah. Here's a fun fact. Their short bill enables them to exert more force as the bill tip at the bill tip than other dabbling ducks, making them much more efficient at dislodging and plucking vegetation. Huh. You'd think with that, they wouldn't have to steal from others, but hey. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, 
we we all have our bullies, right? Exactly. And I just never thought it would be the American the, widgeon. Yeah. So number two is the northern shoveler. This isn't these these birds are great because you can see them all at the Gilbert Riparian, just like yeah. a couple miles from here. The northern shoveler. This is one of my favorite ducks. So that's Kirsten's, but it's one of mine too. Also, I knew it was Cheryl's too. Yeah. So <laughs> because it's big, because. Of its big, excuse me, its big shovel-like bill and makes, and the male's color block pattern. Yes, I do love them. They're fun to watch eat. The name comes from the large spatulate, spatulate-like bill that is sh shaped like a spade. The male's bill is black and when in breeding colors, he is an amazing mix of green, rust red, black and white. He's striking. He's a very handsome duck. The male's head is a deep green from the bill to the neck where it meets a snow white breast. The underbelly and sides are a rust red color with large, with another, excuse me, another large stripe of white on the lower belly above the feet. The black, the back, oh, I need more <laughs> coffee. The back has a V-shaped white patch originating at the white breast patch and tapering down the back, the top of the back. Black fills in the middle of the V-shape. The covert feathers on the shoulder of the wing are light blue and only visible in flight. The tail feathers are short and white. The legs are bright orange and the eye is bright yellow. In winter, the color block patterning will fade, leaving the male looking like the female with a darker bill. The female is a typical mottled brown and white color with the exception of her covert feathers on the shoulder and her secondary flight feathers. During flight, you can see the light gray covert, light gray covert feathers and the white stripe above the green, dark green secondary feathers. The male will also have a mottled orange, the female, excuse me, the female will also have a mottled orange bill with orange feet and a yellow eye. These are omnivores, ducks eating aquatic vegetation, crustaceans, mollusks, insects, seeds, and fish. They're mainly dabblers, sifting through the top of the water, which is what I find so cool about how they eat, Yeah. to find food, but will occasionally tip upside down or dive for food. Here's a fun fact about the northern shoveler. Occasionally, occasionally they will work together in large groups while feeding. They will swim in a pinwheel formation, stirring up surface the surface of the water that allows them to find more food. That is cool. That's kind of like dolphins. Yeah, I want to see that. I've never I've never seen them do that. Maybe one of these days out at the Riparian or something, I'll, I'll get to see a group of them do that. Yeah. So number three is the cute little ring-neck duck. This is a medium-sized duck that overwinters with us. In breeding colors, the male will have a dark iridescent purple head with from the beak to the neck, a thin chestnut brown collar, ring rings the neck just above the black breast and this is where the name comes from the belly and sides are white while the back and the wings are black and tail feathers are dark the male's beak will be multicolored with a black tip followed by a white band followed by mostly light gray bill with a white outline where it meets the face in the winter, the male will stay the same color, but lose the brightness of the colors, so he's a little dull. His head will be a dull black, his breast more beige, and the white outline on the bill disappears, but the chestnut ring on the neck remains. The female is varying shades of brown with very little modeling. 
mottling, excuse me, compared to other species of ducks. She will have the black tip and the white band on the gray bill. Feet on both male and female are black. Didn't know that because I don't think I've seen them out of the water. Right. The ring-necked duck is a diving duck and feeds exclusively in the water. They will make shallow dives, dabble at the surface or tip bottoms up in pursuit of food. They eat mainly aquatic plants and seeds, but may also take insects, snails, worms, and crustaceans. Here's a fun fact about the ring-necked duck. duck. It is a fast flyer and migrates longer distances than most other diving ducks. Hmm. And Kirsten has the summer residence. Yes, our summer residence. I really like these guys. I was very excited about them. Now, the first one is the cinnamon teal. This small duck is beautiful in both breeding and non-breeding colors, but we will most often see them in their fine regalia because they are our summer residence. So the name cinnamon teal actually comes from the male's breeding colors. Their heads, necks, breasts, and side are covered in deep cinnamon brown feathers. With their wings closed, uh, this is the main color of the bird that you will see. Their back is beautifully scaled in black and brown with scaling coming down to the start of the tail feathers. When the wings are open, you can see the light blue covert feathers of the shoulder, the white stripe, and then a secondary green feathers. The males have a red eye. The non-breeding coloration of the male is also quite handsome with an amazing scale pattern of dark and light brown covering most of the body with the head remaining a duller cinnamon and the wings retaining color. So no matter what time of the year you see this guy, he's gonna blow your mind. Uh, females are also quite pretty with uh, the brown scaled pattern covering their entire body. So they're not that typical mottled color. They're more of a scaled pattern like a fish scale. Uh, the female has a brown eye and both the male and the female will have yellow legs and black bills. These are dabbling ducks that eat both vegetation and insects, snails, and zooplankton. They skim the water with their beaks as they forage for food. A fun fact about the cinnamon teal, the female often makes her nest under dead stems of vegetation, so it is covered on all sides. She uses tunnels in the vegetation to get to the nest. Well, that's cool. Yeah. These are actually beautiful ducks. They really are very, very pretty. So our second, um, goodness gracious, our, our second waterfowl is the blue-winged teal. This is a bird that we will see during migration season, and they also oversummer with us in the valley. The male and female are a brown, black, and tan scaled pattern over the entire body. During breeding season, the male's head, throat, and neck feathers are an iridescent gray. I thought that was really interesting. Yes. With a black stripe that goes from the bill across the crown of the head. A white stripe grows from the chin to the top of the head in front of the eye. The underparts of the male are spotted as opposed to scaled. You don't get to see those much until they get out of the water, though. The female is scaled all over, with the exception of the head, down the throat and neck, which is a nice buff color. Both the male and the female have black bills and yellow feet. The wings of both sexes have a light blue shoulder with a white stripe underneath that, and then an emerald green stripe on the secondary feathers with another white stripe under that. Typically, this can only be seen in flight, but depending on how the feathers are kind of situated when they put their wings down, uh, the shoulder bl light blue feathers sometimes do show. So 
Sounds like a beautiful duck. It really is very amazing. Uh, these are birds that forage in shallow waters and mud flats, eating mainly plant matter. The females will increase consumption of insects and invertebrates just before egg laying. A fun fact about the blue winged teal is that they are more vocal than most ducks. Their high pitched peeping and nasal quacking can be commonly heard during spring. Hmm. You know, ducks are becoming more and more interesting. They really are. After doing this podcast, I'm like, man, I really should know my waterfowl better because yeah. they just really are cool. All right, number three of our summer residents is the black bellied whistling duck. This duck is a more rare sight here in the valley, but it can be seen during summer closer to the southern border, and a small population can be found year-round near Tucson. This bird is unusual in the fact that both adults look the same. Both males and females have a red bill and pink feet. Gray feathers cover the face and down the throat. Reddish-brown feathers begin on the crown of the head and go just behind the bill and then trail down the neck to cover the back and chest. Underparts are black, and a long white wing patch bisects the wing. Legs are long, and the body is more trim, almost goose-like in its appearance, but they're much smaller than a goose. These ducks actually feed mainly on seeds of grasses and sorghum, and generally forage in shallow water on land at night. Wow. Which also was really interesting about yeah. them. So a fun fact is they are called whistling ducks because their call is a clear whistling sound. And they were formerly known as the black-bellied tree duck because they are fond of perching in trees. Oh my goodness, with webbed feet. Yeah, so many different things about this black-bellied yes. whistling duck. Yes, and the fact that um, all the ducks that we mentioned have something going on with their bills. Yes. So I wonder if that's for mating purposes, like, you know, because birds see things differently. So yeah. I wonder... I mean, I'm just putting it out there. I wonder yeah. if it does. Maybe we'll have to put that on one of our customer questions or something like that or commonly asked well, questions. Maybe we'll be able to find the answer and we'll yeah. put that in a different podcast. So this is not a comprehensive list of waterfowl found in Arizona or even in our valley area. But we wanted to bring your attention to some of these exceptionally cool birds. And yeah, I'm impressed. Yeah. You can see all of these birds anywhere in the valley. That has a pond such as a golf course, golf courses, or Gilbert Riparian Preserve, the various zoo institutions, anywhere where there is a long, long-term standing water. I know the zoo has a variety. Yes. And there's a pond outside the uh, Phoenix Zoo. And then I see a lot of waterfowl when I go up to Cottonwood, um, Dead Horse Ranch. Oh, right, of course, they have, yeah. They have water up there. What can I feed ducks at the park? This is one of the questions we get a lot at the store. We recommend cracked corn to feed out on the ground, not in the water. Trust me, it does not float. No. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to feed on the water, some plain Cheerios will do the, the trick. It's mostly oats with very little sugar and will not harm them. We say this with the caveats. With a caveat, though. Remember, we do not want to fill their bellies with food that is not nutritious. Many waterfowl do eat corn, but corn is not a balanced meal, and many other people feed the ducks as well. We want to be mindful of them eating only people food and not eating what is good for them. Yeah, they need to get their veggies. Yeah. And is naturally offered by their environment. So when you go, limit your food to only one handful of cracked corn. Oh, that's hard, Kristen. It is hard. <laughs> and Cheerios per trip and feed them only once a month. Well, that I can do if you go to the park frequently. 
You can make it a special treat for yourself or your kids or your grandkids or older family members without endangering the ducks. So that is, that's, that's a good, um, yeah. that's a good tip. It is a nice good tip. You could also do one of those, those little quarter, quarter packs of those little Ziploc bags. Yeah. The real small ones. <clears throat> do something like that. Like ration yourself. Yeah, and yeah. ration yourself out. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> if I bring a two-pound bag of cracked corn. Yeah, you uh, don't, don't feed it all. Don't feed a two-pound bag of cracked no, corn. <laughs> yes. Well, I, I have no self-control. So Kirsten has the spotlight this time. All right. With our plant spotlight, we are going to talk about jojoba. It is a bush that is native to Arizona and the Sonoran Desert. It is slow-growing shrub that can reach about six feet tall, six feet wide. It is evergreen with oblong gray-green leaves. It blooms anytime from December to July. So it's a really long blooming time. Male and female plants are separate. So this is also interesting too. The male flowers are yellow-green and form clusters the size of marbles. The female flowers are solitary and are yellow-green, but they're individuals. And once the female flowers are pollinated, they will develop inch-long acorn-like fruit. Hmm. So that's a way to tell them apart. But for them to be pollinated, they have to a male has to pollinate the female. So they either have to be planted right next to each other, or you have to hope that some bee goes over to the male and then goes over to the female. And that's how they are cross-pollinated. Uh, once these jojoba bushes are established, which means it has survived an entire year through all four seasons. It needs little water and can survive on what is offered during monsoon season. During the first year, occasional watering is good just to help them get through the kind of tougher, hot, rough spots. Full sun produces the best foliage, but it can survive with partial shade and it can handle pruning, but if you leave it to grow naturally, it will attract more wildlife. The acorn-like fruit is edible by wildlife and humans. I myself have never eaten it, but it can be eaten by humans. Uh, birds will nest in the unpruned branches and on the ground under the lower branches, and the flowers attract native bees. That sounds cool. Yeah, it's really nice. This is actually where what is the, the small little wash that's right behind our house is lined with jojoba, and that's where all of my quail come out. So I can hear them in there and then I can watch them pop their little heads up and then they run out. And when I either I walk around the side or something scares them, they're just immediately back in those bushes. And so, yeah, the jojoba is a real great one. I think it's very pretty. It offers you, you could use it if you put enough together, you could use it as a, um, like hedge. a hedge. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys for joining us for Waterfowl. And hopefully we've inspired you to learn just a little bit more about these cool birds.